despite your crass behavior. I'm glad we were able to do this together. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oboe Sideways Podcast. We're so glad you are joining us. This is episode 167. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, March 12th, 2022, at 7.20 p.m. Pacific time. We've already been recording for almost an hour and a half because we recorded next week's episode first. So uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm your host, Terry Plucknid. We've got Todd. We've got Zach. Uh, Zach, I, we didn't get to talk about this before because that's like a week from now. But KU, they actually pulled out the Big 12. They did. I really have a lot of hopes for them in the opening weekend. I hope we can play like Delaware or someone shitty like that. Um, it was it was a great tournament. I hope Mitch's foot or knee comes back okay. Um, he lost all his that knee. It, well, he he <laughs> injured his knee in the fourth quarter, fourth second overtime, second half versus uh, Texas Tech. Um, and uh, I think we'll be okay. We, we will see. As I told Todd, this is a team of B plus players, and I I will be happy with the Sweet Sixteen. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, but not really. Duke's down by ten, by the way. Really? Oh, that's freaking sweet. Four minutes left. Man, I don't know. All I care about is that baseball's back and oh, spring that's, training's opening up. Oh, please, <laughs> dear God, no. Let, the, let's talk about Coach K being down by ten. Has Co- and, when was the last time Coach K was alive? Can you tell me that, Todd? <laughs> when did he have like? Could we resuscitate him? We don't want to, but like, what? Maybe twenty fourteen. I was gonna say twenty fifteen. And no. any signs of life? By this time next week, we're gonna be talking about the newest Seattle Mariner, Chris Bryant. There we go. That's my and prediction for you. The newest Seattle Seahawks, Drew Locke. Who? Yes, Drew Locke. Let's talk about Drew Locke for a second. That guy sucked when he was at Mizzou. And uh, he was not a good Bronco either. Correct. Correct. <laughs> How All fun these is that? Correct. And, yeah. and, and, and Bobby's gone, and uh, you're going to lose uh, that receiver to the Patriots. It's going to be a fun season. Does Pete, is this Pete's last season? No, he's starting over. He's, he's, <laughs> he's good to go. I keep, I, I hear we're, we're trying to trade for Deshaun Watson for some reason. No, which... he's going to Carolina. They, they just reported that today. Did they? I didn't hear that. Well, that was yesterday. They they were talking about they were trying to get him. I don't know. I've heard Malik Willis at, at number sucks. nine. Have Maybe. fun with that. Todd, you mentioned Matt Corral. I could see that working too. I've heard Matt a lot of a Corral. lot of Seattle people yeah, have been saying Gardner Minshew. G Minshew. Yeah. Great. I would take it. He's like with the next with his mullet. I, I, I hear I've I've heard a lot of people say what they're going to do is they're just going to punt on this season and get a high pick with, and they'll have two first rounders next year and they'll go get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. There we go. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Zach, you don't have drinking? any, you don't have any Mariners preview, Terry. I'm drinking some fabulous I, wine. Um, I was going to get some Francis Ford Coppola wine because we will be talking about, Francis Ford Coppola today, but uh, instead I got some Spanish wine that is mostly gone at this point. We'll see how long we last. Um, I was a little busy before this podcast thinking about the Oscars, but uh, now that I'm here, I'm really happy I'm here. And um, yeah, let's let's do this. Well, Drew Locke, man. And and I don't have any Mariners preview because I don't know who's all a Mariner yet because the, I couldn't the, name the, one the Mariner. Free agency. You couldn't name one Mariner. They got no. Robbie Ray. He won the Cy Young last year. 
how about that that closer with uh four fingers? Is he on their team? Antonio Alfonseca? Yeah, Alfonseca. <laughs> I think he has six six He's fingers six on one hand. Fingers fingers. On his head. <laughs> I think he retired like twelve years ago. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here, folks, on the Almost Sideways podcast. That's what, that's the quality content you get. Todd, what are you drinking? This is a uh, red beer for information. Uh, that is, is spicy it... V8 vegetable juice and Coors Pure Light Beer. That sounds so, disgusting. Red beer. I'm turning red. Get it, Terry? Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a movie we're going to talk about. Um, I'm drinking some. Uh... <laughs> I think Todd's out. I'm drinking. It's a uh, New Belgian, uh, New Belgium, which Todd drank last week. But this is the Voodoo Ranger IPA. Mm. Um, I may have to switch gears because I think this is the last one I've got. So what the hell? None of these have to do with the Godfather. No, they don't. They don't. I, I don't have to think anything. about getting his wine. I should have done that. That that would have been smart. That would have been really smart. But no, we didn't. All right, make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, make sure you tell everyone else about it uh, so more people can hear us and all that jazz. Let's get into this. Zach, what'd you watch this week? I watched Kimmy! 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 You guys don't get that reference, do you? Kimmy! Nope. Kimmy! Kimmy! You don't get it. Do you the more talk? you do it, we still don't get it. God so... damn it. You it guys more annoying, watch too. good movies. <laughs> From 1997 with Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz. Kimmy, Kimmy, in the Comiskey Park bathroom. God, you guys don't understand. Anyway, I watched Kimmy, directed by Stephen Soderbergh. By the way, it is a great baseball scene. Um, I directed by Steven Soderbergh, starring uh, the Catwoman herself, Zoe Kravitz. She, her name is not Kimmy in this movie. Which I was kind of shocked by in the first 10 minutes when I realized her name was not Kimmy. Her name is actually Angela, like Angela in the office. She doesn't own any cats. Um, and she is a programmer for a uh, organization, corporation called Amygdala. In the movie, um, Kimmy is like uh, Siri or like Alexa. It is a uh, service that you say, Kimmy, and it will uh, prompt you to say anything you want. What is the capital of Belgium? Play whatever song you want, whatever. Anyway, she lives in Seattle. She is agoraphobic, and uh, she doesn't like leaving her apartment, which makes me think leaving agoraphobia, great underrated plot device in movies. I really can't think of that many movies that have agoraphobia as a main storyline, with the exception of copycat with Sigourney Weaver in which she is also agoraphobic. Anyway, great, great movie mental illness to have. Um, and she uh, is a programmer for, for Kimmy, and uh, she stumbles upon a murder that she hears as a wave file on her, um, you know, computer programming, and she starts investigating it. And, you know, it's basically kind of like a whodunit. It's very Hitchcockian. We got some rear window stuff in here. She doesn't leave her apartment until she's forced to. Um, and, uh, you know, with Soderbergh, we get some noir elements, obviously. We get a very, very alienated person. This is a movie that takes place during COVID, which is kind of interesting. There's some nice Seattle scenery in this movie. Adam gave this movie three and a half stars. 
I'm right with him. This is a really awesome movie. We were talking about reviewing this movie about two or three weeks ago. I'm disappointed we didn't. Uh, it's on HBO Max right now. See it. It's my number one movie of 2022 so far. Not that I've seen a whole lot of movies in 2022, but it is Soderbergh at his highest form. I really like No Sudden Move. Um, I think I had that, if I look at my list, like number 18 or 19 of 2021. My biggest criticism of that movie is that it was too long. My biggest criticism of this movie is that it's too short. I wish it had gone deeper into the story. It would have been maybe considered more significant, but I think it is awesome as it is. Zoe Kravitz, amazing. She's awesome in this movie. There's some great um, set pieces and great chase sequences. It feels a little bit Alan Pacula, 1970s sort of conspiracy theory sort of thing. Um, It's a really cool movie. I dig it a lot. Three and a half stars. Awesome movie. Check it out. HBO Max. It's It's really, really a fun watch. Good, good, good. Todd, have you watched that one yet? No. I haven't either. We need to watch that one. All right. I'll go next. So my Oscar watch for this week goes back 30 years to a movie that was nominated for Best Actress and Best Original Screenplay. Lorenzo's Oil. Lorenzo's Oil there we is go. correct. Bam! Good job. Good job. Nick Nolte, yeah. his Italian Loren- accent. Lorenzo's oil. And yes, we can try to call that an Italian accent. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this stars Nick Nolte, Susan Sarandon, Peter Ustinov, um, Uncle Frank from uh, Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Frank. <laughs> Margot Martindale, uh, Dr. Character Bob, actress. James Rebhorn. Um, yeah. So this is the story of Lorenzo Doni, who is this uh, this young boy who ends up having this uh, genetic illness that just kind of eats away at his at his nervous system and eventually um eventually is going to take him and the fight of his parents to try and find a cure and it's such a small and unique illness and no one's really doing anything about it um to help to help cure it but they they do have some treatments and the the parents uh go through and they they do um they research themselves and they find ways and they find this oil that is able to help and, uh, and help cure him. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating movie. It's a really like motivational uplifting movie. Um, I'm giving it three stars. Uh, I don't really understand why Susan Sarandon was nominated for this other than the fact that she was coming off of Thelma and Louise. So they felt like they needed to nominate her again. Um, the screenplay, I'm not sure why that was nominated either. Uh, Nick Nolte is ridiculous in this, and I have no idea why anyone ever asked him to do an accent of anything other than the rocks in his mouth, gravelly <laughs> Nick Nolte sound that he normally has. Because he is, he's, I mean, he is horrible. I mean, we're about to talk about The Godfather, and I have to talk about Nick Nolte's Italian accent in Lorenzo's Oil. Um, this was written and directed by George Miller. Uh, so that's kind of interesting how he he picked this one up. Um, I found it really interesting. Um, something that does not age well in the age of COVID is watching parents do their own research on scientific discoveries. Um, it just kind of feels weird. Um, but uh, I mean, this is one one area where it, it worked out really well. And uh, Lorenzo's oil was able to, to help a lot of different people. Um, and uh, I mean, it's an inspirational movie. You can kind of guess how it ends. I looked it up. I don't know if you knew this, but Lorenzo ended up living to the age of 30 
and uh and died in like 2008 so uh it it definitely was something that was pretty amazing that was able to work and he got a not everything back but he got some decent functionality back by the end of it too so yeah three stars lorenzo's oil lorenzo's oil oh i'm nick nolte i'm falling on a staircase and i am roberto benini and i cannot have an italian accent is yeah that the scene where he falls down the staircase sobbing uncontrollably i'm like what are we doing here um but it, it, i mean it really is a touching story so that that's really what won it over but good grief that he wow wow Well, according to our website, I gave it four stars. I have no recollection of this movie. (laughs) There was another for what you just said. There's another (laughs) critic out there who gave it four stars. Um, Is that critic named Roger Ebert? I think so, and I think he liked it quite a bit. Uh, Is this better than Babe Two: Pig in the City? I don't think so. I've never seen Babe Two: Pig in the City. Wow, Siskel's Siskel's last number one of all time. All right. Todd, did you watch? <laughs> On <Perfect>. that note. <laughs> um, well, since it's college basketball season, March Madness, I watched the uh, 30 for 30 documentary Survive in Advance from 2013, directed by Jonathan Hawk, who is the uh, director. He also did The Best That Never Was, well, the one about Marcus Dupree, and I think 30 for 30 is the best when they're doing college sports stories, and I don't think there's any debate about that. This one is the story of Jim Valvano and the 1982-83 National Championship NC State team. And so this is taking place right after Lorenzo Charles, who's the guy who did have the tip-in dunk in the National Championship, uh, the game winner. When he crashes his bus and dies in 2011, the rest of the squad gets together for his funeral and they decide like, oh, <laughs> you know, the only time we're ever going to see each other is at each other's funerals. We should probably get together more often. And so they decided they're going to film one of these and that's what the documentary is they're, they're just like all sitting in a bar and a table talking. And, um, and Volvano, of course, died in 1983 of cancer. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Like the, the part of it, they're just like bullshitting to each other about the season. But there was also things that you could really tell that there, there was a camaraderie between these guys that even 30 years later, you could tell they haven't seen each other very much. And they were a Cinderella story because even though they even say the ACC in the 80s was the best conference of all time, and they were in that conference. They still were. They snuck into the tournament and made a run. And they, they talk about it with such detail that you could tell that this was the most important thing that they ever did in their lives. And um, nothing about them really stood out. They didn't have any stars on their team. The only thing that stood out was like the unorthodox nature of their very New York Italian head coach. And um, every once in a while, you get a team like that. And they, they somehow win it. And I, I don't know. I, I think they could do this with every single team. That has won a national championship. I'm sure they all have like great stories, but this one seems special because Jimmy V. Maybe when they do the cardiac Kemba Yukon title documentary or something, we'll have something that will mirror this because it's the only one I've ever seen that ever talks about like the conference tournament as being like a big part of their run. And it actually goes pretty in depth into the ACC conference tournament, and which is pretty cool. It's a great one. Three and a half stars. Nice. All right, Todd. Trivia. Where did that NC State team beat Georgetown in the finals? They when they played Houston or Houston, excuse me, not Georgetown. Uh, Albuquerque. Correct. 
Look at the big br- brain on Brad. I, I just watched it. Oh, okay. Well, I was mean, <laughs> thought Albuquerque is an interesting city to have a final four in. Well, they also had their first round game in a in a Corvallis. And there we they go. Said they had Bill to stay. They, they stayed in like a an hourly hotel with <laughs> with uh, mirrors on the ceilings. That that's good. And they who almost would, lost a Pepperdine because who would of, play Jim Gel- Jim Valvano in a movie. 1980 Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. He has the exact same haircut. That's good. That's good. I like that. All right. So that's what we've been watching. Time to get into our featured review. And for this, uh, we watched the newest Pixar movie to not be released in theaters. Um, what is this? The fourth one in a row, something like that. I don't know. They need to get movies back in theaters for Pixar. Uh, this is Turning Red. Ah! You're so cute. Sick. I've always wanted a tail. I'm a freak. We love you, May. You're our girl. <sighs> Whoa. You're you. Any strong emotion? Yes. Will release the panda. Abby, hit me. <gasps> oh. And I think it's my turn to talk about this one, so I'm going to go with it. Um, this is directed by Domi Shi, with, uh, who is an Oscar winner. She won an Oscar in 2018 for the animated Pixar short Bow. And uh, this movie, it has to be some, I mean, somewhat based on regular, on her actual experiences, um, looking at uh, some of the, I mean, the timing of this is kind of interesting because they, they set this I mean, th- this is Todd's era right here. I mean, I, that, that's what I was doing the math on. I'm like, okay, in eighth grade in the spring of 2002, this is this is Todd's age. Um, so this movie uh, centers around 13-year-old Mylin, who uh, lives in Toronto. If you didn't know, she lives in Toronto. They make they make it very evident that this is a Canadian set movie. Um, and, uh, she is starting to grow up. And one of the things that happens as she's starting to grow up and become her own person is when she gets too excited, she turns into a giant red panda. And so she's having to, to hide this from everybody else, hide this from her, from her friends. Um, her family is helping her hide this. Uh, but she's starting to realize she may want to reveal who, who her true self is and uh and be herself even though her family is telling her to suppress it and and do something for the family um this is the, i'm giving this movie three stars uh it was a it was a fun watch it was a really fun movie i i was laughing through parts of it it was kind of like like coco meets big like that that's kind of how the 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 vibe i got from it um this is been a very like polarizing movie online over the last couple days since it's been released um and one of the reasons why is it is a complete tonal shift for pixar in that this is like the first movie that they've done that isn't meant for a universal audience like i couldn't show this to my five or six year old and them understand much of what's going on this movie is meant uh for pre-teens and teens and and those that or adults that remember that time in their lives. Um, I, I, I would recommend this movie to any of my students, my middle school students. I think they would love this movie uh, because it speaks to them. But I think of, of all the, 
of all the Pixar movies, this is the first where you can't just blindly throw on the Pixar film and put the kids in front of the TV and know that it's going to be all right. Because this is this has some, I mean, tonally, it has a lot of different stuff going on. I mean, the period jokes, you you can't explain that to a five-year-old boy. So um, I, I think that's kind of interesting in in that sense that they're that they're going away from this this universal nature that they've had for the last over last twenty seven years. Um, but with that said, it is a really fun movie. It is a really good movie. It has a lot of really great things to say. Um, it's just it's just not as universal as as the rest of Pixar has been, and I don't necessarily i don't say, think that's a bad thing but it's it's definitely something that is new for pixar and uh and yeah i was gonna sit down with my kids and watch it last night and my wife was like uh i've heard some stuff about this we may want to watch it first and i'm glad we did uh but uh yeah three stars uh, with all of that all right zach what do you do think of turning red i loved it i thought it was absolutely fantastic I thought uh, from the beginning to the end, it was full of energy, great characters. I loved that it was set in 2002 in Toronto. I love the specificity of it and yet the universality of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was a beautiful story. Um, I love that they didn't go for typical bullshit, heartwarming charm. This is a movie that is funny. It's offbeat. It's weird. It has a kind of really nice sense of humor to it it has a kind of i don't know almost subversive side to it that i think is hilarious i love the main characters in it i love uh the voice acting in it sandra oh is awesome uh rosalie chang as may lynn is amazing i didn't know where this story was going i was on board the whole time um i think disney Disney is that they're in their exact right position to position this movie for more mature audiences. Uh, we don't need movies necessarily for five or six year olds. We, I think we need movies for 11 and 12 year olds. I think this is a perfect movie for that. Um, I was totally won over that by this movie. I, I had almost chills by the end of it. I thought it was a beautiful, heartwarming story about uh, fe- strong female characters with a great mother daughter relationship um and great representation throughout i thought some of the criticism has been you know is the animation great yes i think the animation's great screw you uh should have been released on disney plus no it should have been theaters screw you i i don't know what the thinking was there great representation in this story beautiful story moving on on uh very challenging unexpected throughout unpredictable i loved it three and a half stars this is why we watch disney pixar movies to be thrilled to be charmed to experience characters that we haven't seen before and i was totally won over by this movie i thought it was absolutely charming great story um an absolutely wonderful watch are you going to uh to recommend this to all your students too zach i at 100 100 i i was a great movie and and actually I think what's what was maybe one of the best things about it is I don't think you have to be that old to really appreciate it. I think the movie is honestly about, I don't know, emotions, about ex- ex- extremities, about, about uh, you know, um, uh, being truthful with your parents, about uh, ancestry, about identity, about families. I-, I thought it was a beautiful story. I was totally moved by it. I was totally captivated by it. Uh, this is... 
again, the strength of Disney Pixar movies is that they can entertain both older audiences and younger audiences. I think this movie is totally consistent with that, and I thought it was wonderful from start to finish. All right, Todd. Yeah, I'm I'm giving it three stars. Um, I I think the animation is really cool. It, it looks more like anime than anything Pixar's done. And but the the story overall, it's like a chaotic like coming of age, like Mindy Kaling growing up sitcom kind of thing. But the story, obviously, it's 100% Teen Wolf. Like, it's a, basically a remake of Teen Wolf. <laughs> and, uh, but, I, I don't know. And, yeah, I, I do I do like, I think you're a little off when you say you can't give it to your kids. Because I, I think it, it it deals with things that are obvious in its metaphors, but it's not explicit. So you can still get the essence of what they're trying to do. And a, a situation as of being a child, and you get you get what's going on. And plus, the when she, the, the panda is, like, super fluffy and cute i mean any any kid's gonna like that but uh, only only pixar can do that kind of thing though and, and make make it so you, they're giving you this message while still making it super entertaining and like you get that feeling of her neurotic self like you you, if you have a hard time that not seeing some of yourself in, in those characters and like when you feel like oh no one understands what i'm going through and like even though everybody does you just never talk about it i I think it's probably closest to Onward in the Pixar canon. It's trying to say something, but it also is like a big action spectacle in the end. And um, I think it's cool that they made a movie that is like about and for girls. Like that's a first for Pixar. And uh, it's uncomfortable in the ways that most coming of age movies are. And it, it doesn't do anything completely original, but it's engaging and entertaining. Yeah. So three stars, a, a really solid Pixar movie. Yeah, I, I really love the friend characters. Like they were, they were awesome. Um, and yeah, the, the Todd, did you, did you do the math and, and figure out that these characters were the exact same age as you? I did not, oh. but I know the director is basically my age. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you guys are like two months apart or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I liked it too, and I think I I think I do like that that Pixar's willing to go into this other in this other direction. Um, they they've always been able to speak to universal universal themes and concepts in a in a way that everyone can understand. And the fact that they're attacking teenhood is kind of is kind of brave, and and it worked. It really worked. I mean. Uh, so I, I I I give him props for that for sure. Well, isn't this Teen Wolf though? Like it's a it's a movie about puberty where someone gets excited and turns into a monster. You know, yeah. it's Teen Wolf. Yeah, I, mm. I could I could see it. I could see it as Teen Wolf. I don't know the 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 scene where she wakes up and and is a panda. I I was like, this is big. And that, that's all I could think. Of. <laughs> it's like you might as well be Tom Hanks at that point. But um, but I also I also felt a lot of Coco in in the fact that. She wants to be uh, who she is and her family's trying to withhold and, and hold it back and say, you can't be who you want to be because you have to be a part of this family. Yeah, I give props to the director, Domi Shi, first female director of a Disney Pixar movie, first mostly. That's not true. Oh, Brenda yeah. Chapman directed uh, uh, Brave. Okay, my bad. Excuse me. Um, I, I, I thought this, this was a wonderful story, uh, from start to finish. Great, great concept, great movie. Um, I thought the voice acting was terrific. I thought the scenes with the boy bands, man, 
fabulous stuff. Great oh, stuff. That, and that's when how it develop, was back in the day, too. When they develop wings on stage, that was a wonderful <laughs> moment in the movie. And um, yeah, I mean, this movie went to places that I wasn't expecting, and it was totally captivating from start to finish. I, I thought it was wonderful. I, awesome. I think, did, did, I think this is a nice message in a way that you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel if you're Disney <laughs> Pixar. I think you just need to tell a story that has a lot of heart and a lot of soul, like Maya obviously has a woman with lost soul, but the movie has a lot of soul too. And uh, I just, I, I loved it. it. It was straightforward. It was, it was complete. It was wonderful. Uh, it, it was, it was a great experience watching it. All right. All right. So three stars for me and Todd, three and a half from Zach thrice approved here. It's on Disney plus exclusively. Unfortunately, unfortunately these back in theaters. Um, and the, oh, light year is going on, to be man. in theaters. Light year will be in theaters, yeah. So that's good. Well, I think this was supposed to be, and then I think it was one of those that Omicron came around, and a lot of a lot of movies delayed a couple months, and they said, "Forget it, turning red. We'll just go go to Disney Plus." So that's well, because they they have another movie coming out in like three months. Not like the last time they had two in one year was like February, December, or something. Yeah. Would this that's go true. on your guys' Mount Rushmore of movies set in Toronto? This and and Scott Pilgrim would be my number ones. Man, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, don't even, I can't even think of any others. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some like uh, Jay Baruchel comedies, yeah, or Adam Egoian movies. Yeah. All right. Well, that is turning red. Let's get to our main topic here, and we are. Like we, we, we kind of set aside like this date or not necessarily this date, but sometime in March this year, we had to deep dive the Godfather. I thought you weren't going to become a man like your father. I never wanted this for you. Freedom, you're my older brother and I love you, but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again, ever celebrating its 50th anniversary this month uh we're gonna be talking all things godfather from here on out um and let's uh let's see uh let's see how you guys are gonna do on on trivia here uh i think we're gonna start with zach because todd's gonna win yep and uh and so (laughs) so, whenever we say that it's always closer than we think it is that's very true that's very very true one clueless trivia remember yeah that's I, i did i did that's right all right, so Todd's unplugging. Uh, Todd's going away. There we go. Todd's gone. Um, you should just give me a three-point handicap. Oh, wow. Um, breaking news. Adam is watching Titanic with his daughter right now. There we go. There we go. Um, Not a movie uh, that took place in Toronto, interestingly enough. Okay, so I've got, let's see here. I've got 10 questions worth 11 points. I probably should have come up with a a little bit more from this, but I didn't. Uh, okay. And some of these questions probably suck, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, first question. What is the first sentence of the movie? It is. Um, I've, I've always loved the United States of America. I've always believed in America. I've always loved uh, America. I'll give it to you. It's I believe in America. There okay. we go. Bonacera. Great undertaker. Uh, yeah. Next question. Uh, <laughs> Thank who you helped... for giving me that point. Yeah. Who helped Don Corleone make the band leader for Johnny Fontaine the offer he couldn't refuse? 
Luca Brasi. Luca Brasi. Uh, next question: What family made Luca Brasi sleep with the fishes? The uh, Tatalias. That is correct. God, I can't believe I'm three for three. Uh, what movie is playing at Radio City Music Hall? The Bells of St. Mary's. That is correct. That's a Zach question. It totally is. Um, who showed up at the hospital at the wrong time when Michael was protecting Vito? The barber. Enzo. And uh, I'll give you a half point. It's Enzo the baker. Baker, excuse me. He's the one that, that baked the cake. Yes. Um, next and, question. And shakes. His, his hands are very shaky. He does not know how to handle a gun. Where was Michael picked up for the meeting? Like, where was he when he was picked up? Where what was the name of the place he was at? Um, um, uh, uh, Joe, Joe Green, Joe. No, it's the it's it's the it's the fighter, Joe. Uh, mean, uh, I, I, I don't know, but uh, Joe, Joe something Dempsey's, Joe Dempsey's, Jack Dempsey's. Jack Dempsey's. There we go. Quarter point. You knew it was that. a fighter. I'll give you a quarter point. There we go. Okay. I need every um, every quarter point I can get. Uh, where where was Michael to move after Sonny's death? Where was Michael to move? Like where was he? Like where was he going when he was on Sicily? He was told you need to move somewhere else because it's not safe for you here anymore. Where was he going to move? New then, Hampshire. Syracuse. Okay, there we go. I knew that was a tough one. So yeah, that was a tough one. Todd won't um, get that. Who planted the bomb in Michael's car? Did they say? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. They were, um, the, the the guy was run. The guy ran from the scene. The guy. I don't remember that character. Are you asking that character's name? Because yeah. I do not remember that. Pedro. Fa- Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Uh, he, like, he, he's going out to the car and he sees Fabrizio running away and he turns and just keeps running and then the car blows up. That's right. I, I do remember that. I do not remember his name is Fabrizio. Um, okay. What two locations does Vito specify people came from in the meeting of the five families that weren't in New York? So, so he, he goes, he, he says, he says people came from all over the place. He names a lot of like, he names like the, like Bronx and Brooklyn and stuff like that. And he names two places outside of New York that oh, people God. came from for the meeting. Orange, New Jersey. And there's two places. Hartford, Connecticut. California and Kansas City. There we go. <laughs> and and my last question, which is a crappy last question, but I get, didn't get, come up with another one. How long was Michael back before he went to find Kay? You tell me. I I don't remember. I don't know. Um, two months. A year. He's back for a year. That does not make sense. I thought his face was still kind of messed up when he first met Kay, but okay. No, he, he, he's, I think I did respect. Him, how long? How long have you been back? And he says a I year. Think, I think I was respectable in that category. You got you got four and three quarters points. There we go. Four and three quarters. I will I will take that. Those were All some right. tough questions. That yeah, they were. All right, here we go. Uh. There are 10 questions worth 11 points. Zach got four and three quarters. Uh, okay. Appropriate. <laughs> first question. What is the first sentence of the movie? I believe in America. That is correct. You actually got it perfectly right. Um, I gave Zach a point for getting close. 
Uh, who helped Don Corleone make the band leader for Johnny Fontaine the offer he couldn't refuse? Tom. That is incorrect. It was Luca Brazzi. No, Tom is the one that went there. No, the hey. band leader, not the movie director, the band leader. Oh. Like, and then... also sleeps with the fishes. <clears throat> Which is the next question. Wait, what... wait, hold on. So you're saying who, who cuts off the guy's head? No, what I'm saying is it, it, it's the story that um, that Michael tells Kay at the oh, wedding. That, okay. the, the band the leader story. for Johnny Fontaine. Oh. Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, I knew leader. that. The band leader. I knew Luca Brasi was the one who did the dirty work, but Tom's the one that actually goes on the thing. I oh, thought yeah. that's who you're asking. Never mind. No, no. He said Luca Luca Brasi. He took Luca Brasi with him that time. Yeah. And the, yeah. All right. Yeah. Next question: What family made Luca Brasi sleep with the fishes? Well, it's Salazzo and the uh, Barzini. Is that, it? that was. What I'll name? give you half because you got Salazzo. <laughs> it was the Tatalias. Oh, it's with the Tatalias at the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next question: What movie is playing at Radio City Music Hall? Oh, the Bells of St. Mary's. That is correct. Um, who showed up at the hospital at the wrong time when Michael was protecting Vito? The Baker. The Baker. Do you remember his name? I remembered his name. Zach got his name. That's how he got his half point. But he said it was the barber. <laughs> The barber. <laughs> I don't think any of them had a barber. Um, uh, Vito could have used one by the end of the movie, but yeah, he did. he did kind of kind of Ed? longer hair. Oh man, I'm gonna that's give terrible. That's, Lose a that's point really that. close. I'm giving him half a point because he got Baker. It's Enzo. Enzo, yeah. Uh, where was Michael picked up for the meeting with Salazzo? I don't know. He was in Jersey somewhere outside a restaurant. No, it's, it was, that's not in not in Jersey because they drove in. They drove, they drove it to and Jersey and then they did and a U-turn. Then, a U-turn. Yeah, uh, Dempsey's. Point for that. It was outside Dempsey's. Okay. Um, uh, after Sonny's death, while Michael was still living in Sicily, where was he told he was going to move? Oh, he's going to Corleone. Uh, no, he was going to Syracuse. He says he's moving to Corleone too. But no, that's that's like the when um, the the guy comes up to him and says that your your brother's been killed. It's no longer safe for you uh, here. We're moving you to Syracuse. Okay, Terry. That's what he <laughs> said. That's what it says. Okay, Jim. I mean, that was it. Was in, even in Italian. It was they were speaking Italian. Apollonia so like, I, is in Corleone. That's where you. Apollonia is also Greek, partially. Um, all right. Uh, who planted the bomb in Michael's car? Um, um, Fabrizio. Fabrizio is correct. Um, okay. In the meeting of the five families, Vito lists off all the places that people came from to come to the meeting. What two places did he mention that weren't in New York? I'll say Boston and California. It's California and Kansas City. <clears throat> okay. And the last question: How long was Michael back before he went to find Kay? A year, or about a year, or a year, a year. All right. You you brought it home at the end there. Zach Zach went three for three, or no, four for four to start the thing. 
No, he, he four I don't and a half for five. That's he why you were giving me shit about those questions. I was like, you no, could have gotten no, at least no, right, right, right. four points. Zach got four and three quarters, and he got those four and three quarters in the first six questions. How much did I get? <laughs> alcohol got, helped me. You ended up with six. You know, oh. six points. But you got you got a lot of yours at the end, and he missed everything at the end. He missed the last four questions. Well, I would have gotten another if I understood the if I would have understood the questions. Yeah. All right. Well, Todd, uh, you were kind of the ringleader, and you know this movie the best. So, uh, so tell us all about the Gadfather and uh, and uh, your experience with it. I don't know what I could say about the Godfather. I mean, everyone knows the story probably, but. I think it is like objectively the greatest movie that's ever been made. And I don't think you can really debate that. It's uh, so, a movie that is so just in touch with its tone that it, it never deviates from anything. That it, it knows exactly what it is and what it's doing. And it is, it's a perfect movie. It's one of like the 10 most perfect movies of all time. And I watch the trilogy about once every year. And um, I, I love I, I love everything about it. It's, it's just something you could just get wrapped up in. And it's a really entertaining, like, three hours. Like, it, there, there's not any part of it that that dips. And uh, I, I think it, I, I, I think it's got maybe the uh, top five cast of all time. I think it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect movie. And I, I would, it doesn't not age at all. 50 it's- years later, which is rare. Yeah, it is definitely a timeless movie for sure. Uh, Zach, how about you? The Godfather is my number two movie of 1972. My number one movie that year is Cries and Whispers, the Igmar Bergman classic, which might not actually be a 1972 movie. Um, (laughs) What can I say? Uh, I mostly agree with Todd in that statement. It is a classic. Uh, it, it is maybe the most influential American movie of the 1970s. It put Marlon Brando back on the map and established Al Pacino and Diane Keaton and James Caan and Robert Duvall on the map. Um, it's the greatest mob movie ever, except for Goodfellas. It influenced Goodfellas and The Sopranos. It uh, is the most referential boomer movie ever made we're not boomers on this show so do we like it that's why i asked you beforehand does terry senior like it I, I i don't know it's not really my generation's type of movie it was fascinating watching it again i it is not a zach stoltz movie it is not in my top 100 of all time but i cannot deny that at moments it is brilliant at others it is long and over overlong and winded um francis ford coppola uh, some some great stories about him and the direction of this movie al pacino's second movie real life relationship with diane keaton um marlon brando second oscar sashin littlefeather one of the great oscar moments of all time a movie that only won three oscars the godfather 2 won more oscars even though the godfather 1 is a better movie and um I don't know. I mean, it, it was a fascinating rewatch. Um, I don't want to get, I'll, I'll talk about my first experience watching it, but it was, it was, it was a nice rewatch. I had, I had not seen it in a long time. There were some moments that really resonated with me. There were some moments that did not quite resonate with me, but it's a fun movie to talk about 50 years later. And I cannot think of a movie that is more revered, more respected, more, 
um, adored by anybody in this country. Uh, it, it's the quintessential movie probably of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those movies that kind of like Todd said, objectively, it, it is a it is a brilliant movie. Um, at the same time, I kind of know a little bit of what you're saying, Zach. I mean, it, it's it's one that it's a brilliant movie. But I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, OK, what what's the big deal? What's the big deal with this movie? But then before you realize it, you're just completely sucked into this world and this and and everything that's going on. The performances are are all just brilliant, and the this this young cast that becomes these like icons for the next thirty years of of movie making are are all just brilliant. And the 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 most like introverted performance Al Pacino ever gave, and and you have you have Marlon Brando who's just this titan of 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 acting at this point. Uh, giving his most transformational performance. You have, you have James Caan doing, doing his James Caan thing. Um, and Robert Duvall even doesn't have a, a, he, he, you don't think he has a ton to do, but he is, he's brilliant as well. And then John Cazale and, and you throw in Talia Shire and Diane Keaton as well. I mean, it's, and then you have all the minor characters. I mean, there's so many people in this movie and they all just give, outstanding performances and every performance in it is iconic um yeah it, it, it's it's kind of an undeniably great movie even if it's not necessarily your taste in movies you can appreciate the greatness of it i don't think it drags at all i don't i don't think it's too long i i mean i, I guess the first time i watched it, i wasn't I didn't like have it as a top five movie of all time or anything, but like when you, when you watch it and you, you pick up all the, what it has to offer. And I, I mean, I've read the book and obviously as a trilogy, it's just, you can't touch it. Like it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's perfect. The characters, the, how, how it portrays the, the mafia by people that don't really know about the mafia. It's, it's a, it's, something else and Francis for Coppola I mean what he was 32 when he directed this that's just ridiculous he's young he's younger than I am that's scary that's insane that's like some Orson Welles shit it's also pretty much the only movie from the 70s that I can think of that was made into a video game I mean listen (laughs) I know the Simpsons I'm sure Jaws was a video game at some point well, The Simpsons had My Dinner with Andre as a video game but that was a parody and that was also 1981 but uh, yeah, I mean, this movie has longevity that no other movie from the '70s quite has, um, for the right reasons, and um, it's a brilliant movie. I mean, what are we gonna do? What Todd? What do you want us to do? Do you want us to shit on this movie, or do you want us to just replicate <laughs> the statements that everybody always makes about this movie? Like, I don't what, know. Well, what I is thought, the I was point of us talking you to about say it doesn't age well, considering it, it on our website it has you given it three and a half stars. That, that is number, consistent. I was number still five getting, of I was still get, or ninety seventy two. Well, no, I mean, I I don't I haven't seen a lot of movies in seventy two, but I would you need I would to still, update your list, man. I should I should. It, it is still a three and a half star movie. I don't believe it is a perfect movie. I think it has been superseded by both the, the Sopranos and Goodfellas. I give it respect for it's a different the, kind of thing. The, I mean, it's more similar to Sopranos and Goodfellas. 
I mean, there there are parts of this movie that are brilliant. Other parts drag on. Other some parts are uh, wonderful and timeless. Other parts are dated and a little bit corny. Uh, and like what? What's dated? With that, we we will get to the flaws and and, and uh, uh, grimaces of this movie later. But I will say it was a fun rewatch. Can we, t- Terry? Can we talk about the first time we watched this movie? Because I, I yeah, want to talk do it. About the first time I talk about it. it. I did not grow up with this this movie, unlike most of the boomers out there who are listening, the 13 listeners. And I would say that um, I I did not, uh, I saw this movie for the first time in college, 2005, great era for filmmaking, only three years after Turning Red. And uh, I watched it in a theater in Portland at Fox Tower. They were somehow showing a restoration or something of it. I saw it with my roommate, Leon. And our, our neighbor, Jeff, we saw it in December of 2005. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. I thought it was good, but not great. I sort of think the same thing that I originally thought. It's a very good movie. I, I like it. It's a movie that takes itself very seriously, which is, a, a, again, an uncanny, uncommon flaw in 70s movies, I guess. It, 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 it's a very good movie. I don't know if it's a great movie. I it influenced a lot. Everybody repeats it. Tom Hanks talks about it a lot and you've got mail. I respect it for what it is. It's not my favorite movie. I, I, I like it. 50 years later, it's a good movie. I still think Cries and Whispers was a better movie. <laughs> I, so so I was nothing. this only was this only the second time you've seen it? Uh ish. I mean I've seen it. I've seen parts of it throughout my life. But probably the second time sitting through it from start to finish watching it. Yes, I would agree. All right. I've probably seen it start to finish maybe three or four times. So why were the why were you coasting trivia, man? I I I almost won trivia. I I don't know. Um yeah, I can't remember the first time I saw it, but I think I have a feeling Todd and I may have seen it together for the first time. Yeah, it was when we were renting unlimited movies from blockbuster that one summer oh, yeah yeah or we we would get we the subscription all... we would get yeah we got the subscription to blockbuster for a month of unlimited rentals for like what like 20 bucks or something like that and we went back like two or three times a day uh for yeah, the two, entire month two at a time yeah we watched all three movies that month <laughs> we didn't watch them all in the same like in succession like we watched like we cut like a week or two off between we 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 must have watched probably a hundred movies that month. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I said, I I uh, it, it didn't blow me away at first. You but you can tell the how iconic it is at first, but you don't realize how much you're getting sucked into everything that's going on at the same time. All right, let's move on. <laughs> that's let's it. get in. Oh I, come on, man! What what? Yeah. You don't have more to say about it? I I have it number 54 on my top 100. Okay. Adam has it 48. Todd has it 3. <laughs> um, it's the wow. number 19 movie of all time on our website. It's number 1 of 1972. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a brilliant movie. I want to know more about the summer of unlimited rentals from Blockbuster. Oh, man. We've watched, like, every movie Blockbuster had. Like, it, we made sure that it was a month that we had nothing going on. <laughs> was this the summer that Todd injured himself and was in the hospital? Or was that, that was a different summer. Well, 
I mean, he wasn't necessarily wasn't in the this hospital. This was summer two thousand five. So yeah, yeah. You were still coming off your knee. Yeah, so that would have been that would have been that summer. And that's that's there when we, we had that's when we had that's the, when we first watched Kibble Volume One and Two. And that's when we had the uh, the garage set up as a man cave because we watched them all in there. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. It was it was a great that was a great summer. It was a great summer. It's the first time we ever watched Pulp Fiction and Fight Club and uh Mill Hall and Drive. That that summer no, like no, no. started our our movie nerddom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's why that's why you're that's why this movie is so highly ranked on your list, right? I mean it's nostalgia, right? No. I, I I've come to it, it, this movie has grown on me over the years, and like I said, I watch it basically once a year. So, I, I mean, I, I just, I know these characters. I know, I, I mean, I apparently I don't know everything about the movie because I couldn't pass Terry's trivia thing. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I should probably watch it more often. But I, at the same time, it's they're long movies, and so it can be in the time I have with two little kids, it, it can be. Uh, a problem to try and find time to get through. Plus, like I live for this shit. The the, mof- the mafia stuff I, I love. Like I was the biggest fan of the Irishman on on, on the podcast. Oh yeah, it, it's it's yeah, totally a true. Todd movie. It's a Todd movie, very true. But it, it it but it's still great. Okay, let's recasting. Should we go to recasting? We didn't come let's up with it. the with the Mount Rushmore for this, but we do have recasting here. Um, so I have written down seven characters that we're all gonna do. Does that sound right? Beautiful. Vito, Michael, Sonny, Tom, Fredo, Kay, and Connie. Yes. Yeah. And, and and some others. And then, yeah, and then if you have others, we can throw them out there. All right. So, uh, uh, Clemenza. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, we're going to start. Let's start with Vito. Let's start with Marlon Brando. Uh, I'll go first on this. So, I had a lot of trouble coming up with the recasting. Uh, so I, I did another, uh, another like gimmick with this. So it's 50 years old. So I recast it as if it were, uh, made 25 years ago in 1997, because part of the, uh, part of what makes this movie so iconic is how all of these actors became these icons. So it's like, okay, well then who would have starred in this in, in 97? And we look back on it 25 years later and say, look at what happened to all these guys and look how great they all are. And I mean, I probably didn't do great at that, but I, I gave it a shot of who would have been in this movie if it was 1997. Brando is way too young to play that role, right? He's oh, like yeah. probably 15 years too young. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but the, he aged really well. I like the, it's brilliant what they were able was to it, do. It wasn't nominated for makeup. Was it? <laughs> it, it should have been. Let me look here. It, um, no, the only below the line categories it was nominated for were costume design and sound. Um, it was for editing and editing and score, and editing, which was rescinded. Score, Nino Rota. Why don't I have? Why don't I have that on the website? That's weird. Anyways, um, so my if this was 1997, I have two names for Vito. The obvious one is Jack Nicholson. Um, but I'm gonna go a little mm. a little different. I'm gonna go Joe Pesci. I, I could, I could do, I could see that. That's a terrible he pretty much is a Godfather in in The Irishman. Yeah, it, true, true. It's kind of similar there. I want to see a scene where Jack Nicholson kills a woman and she <laughs> falls on a body in an awkward way. 
She That's fell a... funny. Yeah. All right. Just roll Zach. the camera. Zach, who uh, do you have? I I decided to not do a bullshit gimmick like you, Terry. <laughs> I should get a point for that in trivia. And um, I decided to go with the greatest actor who has not been in a movie. He is 52 years old. Brando was 47 when he shot this movie. So the age difference is not that significant. A guy who has not been in a lot of movies. But he's the OG. I went with Jay-Z as Vito Corleone. If you're talking about someone who would command respect, there is no one else out there like Jay-Z who could do that. Brando was a no-show. Brando was a uh, an actor that no one wanted to cast in 1972. Coppola took a risk on him. I'll talk about this later. He was a... Uh, a parasite or, or you know someone that no one wanted to do anything have anything to do with and jay-z is the perfect recasting in 2022 for all for many of those same reasons did you mean pariah pariah not parasite excuse me great d Rees movie by the way persona non grata all right good drunk so make the scene um i don't drag and dial <laughs> uh I mean, I, I would be fascinated to see Daniel Day-Lewis to take on a role like this. I, mm. I mean, but there we the go. one I really wanted to do was uh, an actual Italian. I it was Stanley Tucci. Ooh, what? Ooh, <laughs> wow! I could, you know what? He could totally pull it off, even though it's not something that like is his He's thing ever done. No, yeah, but, but I mean, he, you he, know he could do it. He doesn't have Super the star power as Brando. He built bridges in West Virginia, man. See, see, now I was, I was wanting, I was wanting oh. if was gonna go, go Heisenberg. Yeah, he also, he also murdered Shari Sharonin, Sharsha Ronan, in Saoirse. his one Oscar-nominated performance. All right, next oh. we have Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino. In 1997, there's only one, there one, there's only one choice for that. It's Donnie Brasco. It's Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. That's a good call. And if, if you're, yeah, if you're recasting this in the mid 90s, it's Johnny Depp. With Joe Pesci, though, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you the could Joe say Pesci thing kind of ruined your list, man. Well, then the, I said, I said Jack, Jack would be the, the Jack more, is the obvious pick. The obvious pick, but I wanted to go a little different because I thought it was too obvious. Todd, who do you have? Or no, sorry, Zach's next. Oh, so, okay. Um, I went with Lakeith Stanfield, 30 years old. Um, my for wife, Michael? yeah, for Michael, uh, my wife, <laughs> originally... <a> <laughs> <laughs> for you, man, Lakeith Stanfield could do anything. He's an Oscar nominated actor. My wife originally s- selected Donald Glover, who I really liked that pick, but he's 38 years old. He's a little old. So I'm going with Lakeith Stanfield. There is no role in this world that Lakeith Stanfield couldn't play. I, I think I see where you're going here, and I, I think I have the better casting of it. Um, Todd, Michael. Um, well, I was looking at Bill Skarsgård and Jesse Plemons, and I couldn't figure out which one was better. <coughs> but 
both of them are very uh, understated actors, and uh, I think Clemens probably is the, is the better choice, but he could play any of these roles. Jesse too. Clemens is a Tom Hagen. I had him originally written down for Tom Hagen, but I'm not a Michael. But okay, he could. I mean, the guy that everyone's gonna underestimate doesn't look the part until he has to. Are you saying that Jesse Jesse Plemons could have been a war hero in World War II? I I don't know about that. Well, Bill Skarsgård wasn't he in? Didn't he have that that <laughs> distinction in that one movie we watched, The Devil All the Time? That oh, was a great movie. Right. <laughs> we all now, love that now, movie. Now Jesse Plemons today, I don't know, but. But Todd from Breaking Bad now. There we go. That I could believe. Oh, he basically is playing a, a version of that character. I don't think Jesse Plumman should ever be a lead in a movie. Except That's for the Scorsese movie coming out this year. <laughs> Isn't Leo the lead in that movie? No, he gave it to Jesse Plumman's. Okay. And plus, I'm thinking of many things is a great movie. With um, with Jesse Buckley. Now, I have a feeling that you're going to predict Jesse Buckley for Best Supporting Actress. Can you tell us about that? Why? I I just have a feeling. I have a hunch. Well, you're probably going to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sonny, played by James Caan. If this is 1997, you need someone to fly off the rails. Who better than Nicolas Cage? Yeah, that's... Terry's cast is too easy. Well, and... <laughs> We're going to talk about who Nicolas Cage would play. The only one I had written down was Sonny. And, the, and, and obviously, me, and it's not just because he looks the part and he's super hairy, just like, just like James Conn, but he, he wanted. Hairiness is a, uh, is a prerequisite. Qualifier. Yeah. He, he wanted to play uh, Vincent Mancini in Godfather part three and uh, his uncle wouldn't give him the job. And so obviously that's the son of Sonny. And so obviously he'd be playing Sonny. You know what's interesting about James Conn? is um besides the fact that like uh matthew fox he's a douchebag asshole um he must only be known to anyone under 30 as the father of elf right no one knows him from the godfather they only know him honeymoon as elf's vegas. father misery he, yes honeymoon in vegas for sure misery yeah, misery. That's yeah, and on. misery. Sure, everybody under thirty has watched that. <clears throat> of course, of course. Okay, can I go to my pick? Yeah, I I really like my pick as Sonny. My Jay Z recasting of this. It is an obvious pick. It is Michael B. Jordan? Michael B. Jordan would kill this role. He would destroy it. And that's all I have to say. That that's the best pick in my cast right now, except for Jay Z. <laughs> in the top two of the three <laughs> <laughs> all right Todd. i mean shia labeouf no yeah yeah that Absolutely was one easy. i was looking at yeah as it's... sunny i of course he's uh, that he has the that manic energy watch him in american honey and tell me you can't play sunny did you ever watch the clip of him on jimmy kimmel talking for seven minutes about how he was thrown out of a broadway concert very no. very good clip on YouTube. Underrated clip, even though he's canceled. All right. Yeah, move Tom, on, Terry. You don't want to. Tom talk Hagen. About it. Okay. Played by Robert Duvall. There we go. Yes. Um, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. You're speaking Italian. Um, nominated for the judge. You've never seen the ending. <laughs> How many times are we gonna quote Family Guy on this? 
don't um, know what you're talking about. Oh, you've never you've never seen the. I don't the, watch Family Guy. <laughs> I got. I'll I'll send it to you when we're done here. All right. So I don't watch Family Guy either, but I've seen the clip. Yeah, twenty five years ago, Tom Tender Hagen Mercies. would have been played by Greg Kinnear. That's a terrible pick. But wait, Jack Nicholson and Greg Kinnear in a movie actually happened in nineteen ninety seven. I I know. I know. There we go. Todd's yeah. got another Greg red Kinnear. beer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Zach, what do you have? Uh, I, I love my pick for this. I'm going... Uh, this was a fun category to think about. I got I got Jay-Z as the godfather, Lakeith Stanfield. There's a lot of different ways I could go with this. I'm most proud of this pick of all my casting. I'm going with Benny Safdie as Tom Hagen. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. you got to respect that a little bit. Like, just give me some shit, you know? Like, I know you won trivia, but at least I have the 2022 Benny Safdie. Oh, actually, Tom Hagen as Benny Safdie. Benny Safdie as Tom, ha- Tom Hagen. Okay. He was the mayor bad. of Los Angeles. Alana Haim worked for him. <laughs> All right, Todd, who well, do you have? Mine, he pretty much was the consigliere to the Winklevine, the social network, and that's Max Minghella. God damn it. I was thinking about Army <laughs> Hammer in my cast, but he's canceled. <laughs> that's a good call. I like that one. I like that one. He he was. He was. Yeah. All right. Fredo, brought to us by the brilliant John Cazale. Um, 25 years ago, Fredo would have been played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Wow. Honey, what he was an Oscar winner by that point. He was doing like yeah. in the name of the father. I think that's I think he's too big of a role for that. Too big of a name for that. Probably, but I had a hard time finding a good one and he could he could pull anything off and the the lanky loser, I, yeah, he'd fit. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I haven't thought of ones for that era so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. All right, Zach. I went with Jaden Smith. <coughs> Son of 2022 how, Oscar how, winner how, Will Smith. How, how old is he? <laughs> That's a great question. I have no idea. He, he's the old, apparently the older brother of Lakeith Stanfield, though. So Yeah. <laughs> I like, think you, yeah, they can play with that a little bit. No, because he's got to like he's got to be the loser older brother that is not good enough to do anything. James was twenty three, and God damn it. Okay, fine. John was Go with your freaking pick, John Caz- John Cazale, man, greatest it's... IMDb of all time. I don't. know. I mean, it's been a, it's been a while since we've seen Dane DeHaan do something significant. Dane DeHaan, wow. I think he wow. uh, out of retirement oh. has that kind of like tortured look in his eyes that. Uh, that John Cazale mastered. Dane or just had naturally, I don't know. All right, see if all right. If I was doing Zach's cast, uh, I would. It would be Michael would be Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Stanfield would be Fredo, uh, no, and uh, and Sonny and Sonny would be Winston Duke. He's too old. Way too old. Oh, he would okay. be the Godfather. Just, just stick before... with Dan Smith then. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't. Okay, listen. Well, season All four of The Wire basically is the Godfather too. The guy who plays Michael is Michael. Give us a better, a better Sonny. That or sorry, Fredo. Fredo, listen. The, this is one of the things I was surprised in in my second viewing of this movie. 
Fredo is not in that many scenes of this movie. No, in The not. Godfather 2, he is in a lot of that movie. Yeah. He's barely in this movie at all. That's because they are we kill off half it? the family in the first one, so he's one he's of the barely ones in this movie. He's in, he's in some of the biggest scenes at the end. Not not a lot in this movie, man. Just gonna he put was, that it was out also there. his first movie. John Cazale, listen, he was he's the greatest IMDb of all time. Yeah. We know it's that. It's true. It's true. All right. Kay, who was played by Diane Keaton, uh, 25 years ago, I went with Renee Zellweger. That's terrible. It's like Jerry Maguire era Renee Zellweger. Absolutely terrible. Zach is bitter. He, I'm he, like he, Ethan Cohen, man. I'm he just, hates, I'm just he hates hate, that I went with the gimmick. That's, that's all this is. The gimmick was terrible, man. 19, Your gimmick is much better, Zach. <laughs> all right. All right, you got your you got your black crime family in 1945s New York. <laughs> I went with I went with the best supporting actress 2019, Julia Fox. She's an outsider to the family. She's marrying in with Lakeith Stanfield. I would watch it. Todd, you would watch it too. Well, man. They've already been in the same movie together. That's true. They live in the same city. And Benny Safdie. Well. Listen, she was the muse to Josh Safdie. You guys don't get that reference. But I think she would make a great contributor to this class. Okay. Todd. Joe Pesci as the Godfather is terrible. Know. That that ruined your whole that ruined your whole analysis. I'm with Thaisa Farmiga. She's oh, around the right age. She doesn't really, I mean, she doesn't really have to be a mob. She's like the outsider, and she would definitely be an outsider in this cast. All right. Wow. Okay. I like it. I'll take it. Last one we got we've got Connie, played by Talia Shire. Uh, I went with Catherine Zeta Jones. Okay. Yeah. For 1997, that kind of works. That's your perfect. That's, your, that's kind of it's your best perfect. pick so far, Terry. Well, the, and Johnny Depp is Michael. No, that doesn't work. I mean, come on. I, uh, Todd, didn't Donnie Brasco come out in 97? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it's perfect. It's perfect. All right, Zach. I would have gone with Ethan Hawke, by the way, in your cast. Um, for Connie? No, yes, for Connie. <laughs> yes, so random. My, my Connie is Maya Hawk. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. shit. I guess Ethan Hawk needs to direct it then because it is the daughter of the director. Who is the director of this movie, by the way? Josh Safdie. Well, if Catherine Tito Jones is Connie, then it's Michael Douglas. Uh, my my yeah. Connie, by the way, was Zoe Kravitz, a.k.a. Um, Kimmy. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Uh, what other one? All right. What other ones did we have? Um, I had I had like just one other one, and my that would be uh, my Luca Brazzi would be uh, Tony Siragusa. No, no. I mean, he was still playing in the NFL at that time. Oh yeah. So so no, it wasn't it like that same year he did Twenty Fifth Hour. No, it was five years what later, man. Whatever, doesn't matter. He'd still be it. Gandolfini looks a lot like the the Don that was taking care of him in Sicily. Yeah, 
And, right, that's and, actually a good call. And Clemenza would be played by Cheech Marin. Huh. Yeah, well, I don't know. He's I mean, got he the looks hair. just like him. He looks just <laughs> like him. What about Tessio, the you know, the grandfather in uh in Luca's talking? Hey, Vagoda. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone who looks like they've been eighty since they were thirty. Um, I don't know. My, oh, oh, actually, no, I do. So I was talking to my wife about this, and she had a great pick, but it was it was like present day. Like if you were to make this today, Tessio would be played by Brad Garrett. I, I said okay. Col- Coleman Domingo for my cast. Right. For Tessio? Yeah. My McCluskey Brad, Brad would be, uh, would be a Rob Riggle, of course, because he's the <laughs> asshole cop. <laughs> Wait, how was it How is it not... Um, what's his name? The guy from King of Staten Island. Bill Burr. <laughs> True. Ugh. <laughs> uh. He's got to be in here somewhere. I was actually trying to fit him in, but there's just no <laughs> nothing that's really <laughs> yeah, of in course. Uh, the the two I had was Lil Rel Howry as Clemenza, and uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Anya Anna de Armas as Apollonia. Okay, okay. We we mentioned a little bit. Who would Nicolas Cage play? I think if it's today, he could play Vito. That would be awesome. Maybe, maybe Tessio. Well, he looks like Tessio, sort of, in this yeah. lankiness. I uh, maybe Johnny Fontaine in the eighties. Oh, that'd be interesting. I could see that. Screaming, singing to a bunch of screaming girls like that boy band in Turning Red is some. <laughs> Odd parallels to turning red in this in this movie. Maybe it's just that I watched within the same twenty four hours time span. But okay. All right, highest war performance, Zach. Oh, you're gonna start with me? Okay. Um. Uh. Okay. Um. Let's go. I'm I'm gonna go a little bit outside the box here. I'm gonna go with Robert Duvall. Great performance, uh, nominated for, for an Oscar. He is not bald in this movie. It's the only Robert Duvall performance I've never, I ha, I did not see him bald in. And he's in a lot of this movie. I was not expecting as much Tom Hagen as there was in this movie. I mean, he is in the, the scenes at the beginning at the wedding. He's in the scenes with the horse. He's in the scenes where he gets kidnapped. He's in the scenes toward the end of the movie. Uh, Lots of lots of Robert Duvall. Um, he was nominated for the Apostle in 1997, the year that Terry recast his movie, and he, he shouldn't have won that year. He did win in 1983, and I'm going to go with Robert Duvall. Re- great uh, supporting actor performance. Lost to Joel Gray, but um, a worthy nomination nonetheless. Todd, who do you have? I'm going to say James Caan, and the reason is. He has famously said that he has been voted Italian-American of the year twice, and he is not Italian. And that shows how iconic he is as that character. Popping off, you know, 
you know, t- taking people out, you know, his temper tantrums, like that is James Conrad's heat. And only his son maybe could do it quite like that. Drive drive all things with wheels and some things without. I, I could see Sonny saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I went with John Cazale because wow. I, I know he's not in much of this movie, but Fredo was the hardest one to recast. And it's because Cazale just brings something to the screen in this role that nobody else can do. And and I get he kind of does that in, you know, all four of his roles he had uh, before wow. he died. Five. OK, five. Oh, oh, I get, yeah, yeah. So it was Godfather, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, The Conversation, and Deer Hunter, right? Yes. I mean, like Zach said, the greatest IMDb page of all time. Um, but he just he just had that quality to him that made him the perfect Fredo. And uh, and it comes out a lot more in part two. But, I, I mean, it, it, you see why he's perfect for that role here. So we're not saying Pacino or Brando. Nope. I or mean, <laughs> those are def- Brando's the most iconic. I mean, this that's might be the most iconic character in movie history is Brando as Vito Corleone. Well, I, th- I think Pacino gives the second best lead performance of all time, and but in terms of highest war, that's what I'm going with Khan. Yeah, but. that's that's what I'm thinking too. In terms of war, um, yeah, like most irreplaceable. Okay, what's the worst performance, Todd? I mean, there are a few that are pretty bad, and but the worst I think is clearly Al Martino as Johnny Fontaine. I, I think he's he's like he's like probably thirty years too old for that character. Like he's trying to like break into Hollywood, but he's like a sixty-year-old man or something, and he's just terrible, and he doesn't even sing that good. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like in that in the scene where he's he's uh pleading to to Vito and Vito like grabs him and smacks him around a little bit. I almost feel like that was that wasn't Vito. That was Marlon saying, you called that a reading of a line? Come on, man. <laughs> well, Vito has some moments like that. Like in you know when Luca Brasi comes to see him, he looks at him like like okay, you you're doing that. Like you just said I can't you you invited me to your daughter's wedding on the day of your daughter's wedding. He's like, yeah. Okay. Good to say. Uh, all right, I'll go next. My worst performance. I thought it, it it was pretty obvious to me too. I went with Sterling Hayden as Captain McCluskey. He he's just he's just horrible. He's he's that's this Sterling t- Hayden though. He he is that big character actor. He does the same thing in like Doctor Strangelove. He, yeah, it, it's just it just comes off so like in in this movie of all this like great subtlety and realism you have this larger than life just like ridiculous side character that just takes you out of every moment that he's in i love sterling hayden (laughs) he's like one of my five favorite character actors of all time um yeah sterling hayden's not he's not a bad one johnny fontaine is not bad either um Gosh, I don't know. There are there are a surprising amount of bad performances in this movie. I went with Richard Conti as Barzini. Not a great villain. Kind of weak. I don't I don't know what to say about him. I would have preferred a more dynamic actor in 1972. 
maybe a Jack Warden or Buck Henry, maybe a Frank Sinatra, but uh, not not Sinatra the most... would have been interesting. Sinatra well, was supposed. That's like what that's who Fontaine's. Johnny Fontaine is, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's not the most dynamic character. Uh, honestly, does anyone remember Barzini? I mean, yeah. He's he's I think he's the least interesting character in the movie. I think it's mostly due contributed for the most part for that that bad performance by Richard Conti. Not related to Bill Conti, the uh Oscar nominated symphonic orchestrator of the of Rocky Three. Are you sure? I'm not sure actually. Because they both no, feature to Leah Shire, which is another one, horrible. One is Conti with an E, one is Conti uh -huh. with an I. Talia Shire came a long way in two years because she's like awful in this movie and then she's Oscar nominated for the second one. She's fine in this movie. No, she's not. She's I actually think she's better in this movie than she's in Rocky. What? Okay, moving on from that. Uh, <laughs> Amazing Larry Big Tim High Roller Award as the best minor character. Um, I'll go first on this one. I went with Apollonia. Uh, I thought she was awesome. Um her her uh i mean sicilian women are more dangerous than shotguns uh and uh and she definitely shows that and uh, i mean she's got some some fire to her and she can she she's just... laying on the horn like you told me i was gonna learn to drive <laughs> monday tuesday thursday wednesday <laughs> uh she's awesome so that's my pick zach I went with uh, Lenny Montana as Luca Brazzi. Everyone uh, remembers Luca Brazzi. Everyone remembers the line. No one remembers Lenny Montana. Not a relative of Joe Montana. Interesting fact about about uh, Lenny Montana. Have you ever seen his picture on IMDb? Oh, yeah. I was just looking at that. Very fascinating picture. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I would cast him in a movie from the 70s. He looks pretty amazing. He was also the con man in The Jerk. But he oh, yeah. never played another role. Luca Brasi. Everyone remembers the name Luca Brasi. Everyone remembers him talking to himself. Everyone remembers the line about cannolis. No one remembers Lenny Montana. Len Dawson and was, Joe Montana. Wasn't the cannoli line Clemenza? What's that? Yeah, yeah, was Clemenza. yeah, Luca Brasi dies like 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. He speaks Italian for like a whole scene. That was who I had written down too. Although, there, I mean, there are great, a lot of great minor characters. I do like Captain McCluskey. So. <laughs> Uh, I like oh he doesn't really say anything like when they're in the restaurant like he just like sits down and he's immediately scarfing down food well that's all he's there for is the free like, meal like hey you gotta go you gotta go <laughs> that's all he says in the whole <laughs> the whole sequence he has no reason to be there don't worry I frisked him no. uh, <laughs> well he did but he didn't do a very obviously did, did not do a very good job I'm, well, I mean, okay. Spider Stickman, Todd, you can go first. You there, Todd? There you are. Spider Stickman. Yeah. Oh, let's do S Spider Stickman and Billy Bat's douchebag together. You go first. Me? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stickman, I'm going to go with... Uh, what's his name? His full name. The, the, the movie director guy, Waltz. Uh, because he even says, I'm he's right. like, I've had every piece of ass all over the world. And so, I mean, I think that it, by definition is a stick man. And douchebag, there's a lot of douchebags. Uh, but I think the biggest one is probably Carlo. Yeah. For obvious reasons. He, uh, he gives up Sonny. And when he could have probably just like said something to anybody and gotten like protection, but instead he had to be a wife abuser and, you know, get someone killed. That's probably as douchey as it gets. And plus he just looks like an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had Carlo down as my douchebag also. Um, I did too. Thrice approved. Thrice approved. Carlo's the douchebag. I should have gone with the FBI then, because the FBI can like <laughs> come, oh, come yeah, to the that, wedding. That's a good call too. I had someone else written down at one point, and I can't remember who it was. Um. Anyways, uh, and then I had um, I had Sunny down as my stick man, kind of for obvious reasons yeah. there. Um, another another one that you could put on either of those though is uh is Mo Green. He's a stick man and a douchebag. And and Loki kind of thought it was Ted Danson for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like Ted Danson, what what's um what was what did, what movie did we watch with Ted Danson in it when he was super young? Cousins. Cousin no, no. No. What did we watch? We watched Get, something Getting Even with Dad. What did we watch? I'll look it up. Zach, give us give us your uh, stickman and douchebag. All right. Well, I agree with Todd that for the most part, you I mean, you could really go with Carlo for the biggest stickman in this movie. Um, not not a whole lot. Johnny Fontaine has a lot of adoring female fans who are very underage in this movie. So maybe you go with Johnny Fontaine, but Carlo has the biggest track record for stickman. Not a lot of great stick men in this movie. Kind of um, underwhelming in a lot of ways. Biggest douchebag. Wait, are we talking biggest douchebag after yep. stick man? Okay, yep, go for it. Uh, biggest douchebag of this movie. I mean, the FBI is a great pick because they were they were absolutely trespassing on that wedding with the photography. I agree with that pick. That's a that's a good call. Um. I think actually Salazzo is a great pick. Barzini is a great pick. Captain McCluskey is a great pick. Captain McCluskey, you know, frisks him down in the car on their way to New Jersey when they turn on the turnpike. Lots of douchebags in this movie. Um, I, I I don't really know who to pick. I don't, I don't know. Who I found it. I found it, Todd. Mo Green looks like Ted Danson in Body Heat. There we go. Uh, like nice. that era, Ted Danson. Ted Danson was in Body Heat. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie of the three of us. I'm the only one who haven't who hasn't seen it. Well, you, we're gonna have to fix that. I think I think you would like Body Heat. Pro- probably. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Best scene. Best scene. Can I, I'll, go, I'll first. go first. No, oh, no, okay. Zach will go first. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. I'll I'll just take this. The best scene in this movie, 
upon rewatching it, is the scene when Michael shoots Captain McCluskey and uh, what's his name? Salazzo. That's a great scene. Absolutely fantastic yeah, yeah. scene. I, I that's the best scene in the movie. That that is actually low key the only scene in this movie that really works fifty years later. Like it's it's fascinating to watch. It's a great it's a great moment in the movie. It, it builds up character and suspense. That I love the tile on the floor in that scene. I love that they speak Italian. That scene works. Low key rest of the movie doesn't work as much. That's a good scene. At me, go at me, Todd. Go ahead, Todd. I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, I, I, I'll go with the scene outside the hospital where McCluskey shows up. That's a good scene, too. That was my second pick. I like I like how he uh, he makes the, the baker, like, toss his flowers and, uh, and pretend he has a gun. Because he did look like a hitman. Like, I mean, it, like that, that, that part is awesome. And then, and then, of course, Tom shows up and starts, like, spouting off all his lawyer knowledge. Like, a, that, that stuff is awesome. Like, th- that is a great tense scene. That, that is, those are both really, really good picks. Um, I love the opening. Uh, everything at the wedding where Vito is in his office is is just great and iconic. I mean, that that's iconic Vito right there. Um, my other, the one I actually have written down is right at the end um, when uh, Tessio realizes what is going to happen to him when he gets in the car and he, he stops and he gives that look back at, at, I think, I think it's to Tom. Yeah. And, and he, he stops and looks back and is just like, it, it, it was, it was business. It was the right move. And Michael even says at one point, it's like, he, it was, it's a smart move. He made the smart move, but that's, but yeah, but that, that just that look and everything that is communicated through that one look, is just brilliant. Brilliant. Awesome. All right. Um, I, I think since there were two sequels, we can skip the if there were a sequel. Or did Todd, do you have one? Uh, I mean, I, I want more of Fredo in Vegas. If, if we got some more, <laughs> some more of him building up that casino with Mo Green, like that would be pretty awesome. He looked like he was having a good time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Flaws, outdated conspiracy theories. It sounds like Zach has a few, but uh, whoever has something, go for it. Uh, well, Clemenza says uh, take the cannolis, but the plural of cannoli is cannoli, not cannolis. There even we the go. Subs- even the subtitles say cannoli. So I don't know if he just misspoke or if they, if what, what happened there. And also, uh, you can notice that Michael's bruise on his eye gets worse in Sicily a year later. And I'm not really yes. sure how that's possible. Great point. That's it, all I got. That bruise does not go away at all. Uh, the one thing I have is how in the world was Marlon Brando nominated for actor and Al Pacino nominated for supporting? Great point. Agreed. That, th- those, were, those were mixed up. Uh, that's about all I could come up with. Zach? I don't know why people like this movie. I, I, I think it's you a good movie. You said that you have it as your number two of 1972. I, I haven't seen a lot in 72. I should watch more. 
You've gone a completely it's 180 fine. on this. It's fine. It's a, it's a good in the last thing. hour. It, <laughs> it was quite a bit boring in the last hour and a half. It's a boomer movie. I mean, that's why I asked if Terry Sr. had watched it, if he liked it. It's a movie my dad loves. It. I don't know if it transcends generations. Here's the problem with, with The Godfather, which is that it inspired better movies and, and, and spinoffs. It, Goodfellas is a better movie. The Sopranos is a better iteration of the storyline. And um, I don't know what to think about that. In 1972, of course, it was brilliant. You know, of course, it was a, a, a great director, young director, 32-year-old Francis Ford Coppola working in San Francisco, American Zoetrope. One of the problems with this movie is that watching it again, I liked the director commentary more in the movie. Uh, for, uh, Coppola's commentary is amazing on this movie. He has some great insights for younger directors. He talks about how if you're a director, you should look out for being fired on a Wednesday instead of a weekend. Because he was fired, he was going to be fired off this movie. Um, some great stories, some great retrospectives. It, to me, it doesn't hold up. It's it's fine. It's a good movie, maybe a great movie, influential movie. Obviously, it it, it signaled uh, the change in the direction of Hollywood in 1972. It's not a corny movie. It's a very serious movie, and I and I respect it for that. I think there are moments in this movie that are brilliant. I don't think it holds up that great. I'm sorry. I And I don't even like The Godfather 2 that much. Godfather 3 is an underrated movie, which we've talked about in this podcast. But like, to me, it was a six series, six series um, short term series on HBO Max. It would have made a great uh, six episode series. Uh, and um, it's fine. It's fine for what it is. I was bored by much of it. Marlon Brando is wonderful in it. His jowls. Francis Ford Coppola talking about Marlon Brando, casting him in the movie. Watch that clip on YouTube because he talks about how he had to go through a three-tiered test. He had to do a screen test of Marlon Brando. Brando had to front a million dollars for the casting of this movie. Um, it's a great story behind it. It's not a great movie. I, I like it. It's not a great movie. I'm sorry. I, I've never been a huge fan of this movie. I like the the iteration of it. I like Goodfellas. I love The Sopranos. I like Tom Hanks's performance in You've Got Mail when he talks about how much he loves this movie. Um, I've never loved it. It's fine. It's it's fine for what it is. I low-key like The Godfather 3 the most. That's all I'll say. I've got nothing to add to this conversation. Except for Joe Pesci as The Godfather is amusingly eccentric in 1997 <laughs> wasn't he doing gone fishing with robin williams it was it was uh danny glover danny glover, danny yeah. glover excuse me i was gonna say donald glover but i knew that was wrong uh okay there there's there's zach's zach's rant on the godfather i mean it's better than lorenzo's oil there's no bad italian accents at least i'll say <laughs> Can I? Did we do favorite scenes? Can we talk about favorite scenes for we a second? Did did we? No, we did. Yes, I didn't talk about my favorite scene. Yes, you did. What was my favorite scene? When he shoots McCluskey and and no, Salazzo, no, and that I had to my give you scene. Salazzo. That wasn't you're, my you're, favorite scene. You hijacked the conversation to say that was your favorite I'm, scene. Sh I, okay, I just cut <laughs> I that out. Like, I'm gonna go first. <laughs> and he said, I'll, I'll no, actually, I'm going first. 
Can I tell you my favorite scene in this movie? Todd, you'll appreciate this. You'll because you love this movie. My favorite scene in this movie, watching it um, so many years later, was Clemenza talking to Michael about how to take out Captain McCluskey and Salazzo. That yeah. is a good scene. Wow. That I wish the movie had more been it was more like of a that. scene in taxi driver with the uh, absolutely. <laughs> that was a beautifully done scene. It's done, it's only two shots. It's only two takes, and uh, the the Clemenza. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant performance in that scene by that that character actor. Uh, Pacino is great in it. That is the key scene of the movie because Clemenza says, "It's all you, Michael." He 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 um, symbolically passes the torch to Michael in that moment, and that is a beautiful scene. No one talks about that scene, but that was the scene you know many years later that resonated with me, and it was so simple and so eloquently done in in just the performances. The first half of this movie actually works pretty well for me. The second half does not work at all. It's too long. It's overbloated. But there are there are moments. There are key scenes with the characters that are very good. It's just. It should have been two hours, like Coppola's original cut. And Kimmy was only an hour and a half. It, this movie's too long. It doesn't have good women characters. It's it's overdone. It it's fine. It's just not. It's not my movie. It's not my man. And I I got nothing else to say. We can cut that out. I I don't know what to say about this movie. It was a Todd pick. I appreciate the you Todd just pick. Stop talking. I'll I'll stop talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was a non-negotiable pick. It was a it was pick. a non-negotiable pick. That's fine. It's it's the Godfather. We were gonna do this. All right, let's uh let's wrap this up. LVP MVP, and then we'll get to quote of the day. Uh, Todd, LVP MVP. LVP other than Zach is uh Holly, because I mean he wasn't even that great of a driver anyway, and he he really did start the the cycle of screwing things up, but when he kept calling in sick. So set up, uh, set up the family and the MVP. I'm going with Pacino because he became like the biggest megastar after this movie. And it's because he is amazing. Like I said, second best lead male performance of all time. And I remember like uh, Bruce Willis was talking about this performance one time. And he said like that he based his performance on in the sixth sense on Pacino in the Godfather. He's like, wow. he's like, oh, wow. I watched his performance and said, there's so much stillness in that performance. And I wanted to do that. And I felt like I was becoming boring while doing it. And I kind of agree because I think he's kind of bad in the sixth sense. But like, I, I think it's, it's great that he would try to embody that performance in, in something so different. And because, I mean, and Pacino became everything. And this is, this is his iconic role. And I think this is his best performance. All right. I'll go next. Uh, my LVP. Um, I, I I had written down Fredo, but Fredo and Sonny are both LVPs in this because they both screw things up so so much so often. Sonny doesn't screw up that much. He just he's just a he's just a hothead. Yeah, and that makes him screw stuff up. And if he hadn't been a hothead, he wouldn't have died. Um, the MVP. Mm. I'm gonna say the MVP is the score. Like this, the score in this movie Good is pick. brilliant. So I'm gonna say the score. The other thing I'll say, I'll say two two more MVPs in this. The the icon of like the the marionette, hand, the hand and the puppets and the strings. And I I love that. 
And then I also love my DVD. The uh, the DVD menu screen um, is just a still of uh, Vito Corleone dead in his garden. Nice. Which I thought was really odd to be your your menu screen, but that's what you I have the you have the 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 three movies in the set. Not in the set, no. But they all are like I bought them all like in, at the same time. If that makes sense. I remember like uh, the third one has like uh, the DVD that I have is a picture of Michael Lane next to his chair dead, and but it's it's not not it's like an actual, it's like a running thing. It's like you can tell it's not just like a photo. It's kind of weird. Maybe, maybe yeah. there's a thing with that. Yeah, I I can I can show you what 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 the what copy I have. All right, Zach, LVP MVP. My quote of the day comes from LVP uh... MVP. Well, can I say my quote of the day first? Uh, no, do LVP MVP and then quote of the day. God damn it. Okay, fine. My MVP of the movie is Francis Ford Coppola. This guy was going to get fired from the set of this movie. His commentary is You have like shit movies before this too. It's ridiculous. Um. Well, the thing that saved him was that he was the screenwriter for Patton. And he won the Oscar for that in 1970. But he was like a Roger Corman director. Like he was doing like yeah. tiny budget things like horror movies. And I think he's fascinating. Watch the seven and a half minute clip of him talking about Brando. Great clip. Better than the three hours of The Godfather. And um, wonderful. Great. He makes some great wine. Not that I drank it, but I would love to drink it. LVP of this movie, Todd for making us do a deep dive of it. Can I do my quote now? My quote, quote comes from 40-year-old Virgin. And my quote comes from Cal, played by Seth Rogen. And he says, you should totally tell her, man, because I watched this movie called Liar, Liar. And the message was, don't lie. And that was a smart movie. And that's all I got to say. How does that relate? It doesn't. I, I was watching 40-year-old Virgin today, and I thought that was a good line. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll go next. I kind of wanted to quote the Family Guy sketch, um, and then and then I kind of wanted to quote Seth Green talking about how he came up with his uh with his accent to uh do the voice in Family Guy. Cause he ba- who did he base it on again, Todd? I forget. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Anyways, the uh, lady, right? Might it might have? I don't know. Anyways, instead, I'm gonna quote Luca Brazzi in 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 one of the one of the more the more fun quotes of the of the whole movie. Don Corleone, I am honored and grateful that you have invited me to your home on the wedding day of of your daughter, and may their first child. Be a masculine child. Oh, I like that line too. That's that's a good quote. <laughs> oh, he screws it up when he actually says it to yeah, him. You, no. that, you, you quoted when he was he was rehearsing to himself, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he messes it up, but he finishes it well. And and Vito's like, is like, good job, Luca. You made it. You made it I like how he's like he's like the most important person to Vito, but he's like a complete dumb as rocks. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they met. I don't think, I don't think we get that. Uh, that should have popped up in part two. 
All right. I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it does. Uh, I don't think it does, but it should have. All right, Todd, for the day. There's just so many. This is like one of the most quotable movies of all time. I, I love when Michael's talking about uh, how the the make him an offer but he can't refuse. Where he's like, he's like, he says like Luca Brasi held a gun to his head and assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. And no movie sounds like that. Like this is like. That's a, it's a it's a fantastic line, one of like a million in this movie. And I love how just matter of fact he is about it too. And it's just like I mean, this is this is just how is how that's, it is. This is my family. It's the family. Yep. All right. Well, with that, we are going to draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you next week with our Oscar, Oscar predictions. predictions and what preview do you think's for, win best picture, for the Terry? Oscars. Coda? Uh, you'll have to find out next week. Uh, until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.